take your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 6. As you're turning, I'll introduce myself just briefly and our family and our ministry. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. I was saved at the age of 8. I was called to missions when I was 10 years old. God took us to Alaska. We spent 10 years church planting in Alaska. Then moved back to Chattanooga to be the far north director with BIMI. We did that for seven years. And now for almost nine years, I've been the president and general director for BIMI. So we would appreciate your prayers for us and our ministry and what we do. And excited about what God is indeed doing around the world. Now, this week as we have... Uh, gathered together. I've been praying that God would work in our hearts in a very special way, particularly as His Word is open. And I would ask you to open up your hearts, open up your minds to God's Word today as we look at a passage of Scripture that I think you will know well as we uh, read it. John chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 5, when Jesus then lifted up His eyes and saw a great company come unto Him, He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this He said to prove Him, for He Himself knew what He would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had Given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barlows, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for what's been accomplished thus far here in your house. And I do ask now for your help. I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would do a work in each one of our hearts and lives today. If there's somebody here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And help us as Christians to see once again, anew and afresh, the great commission that you've given to us. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Feeding the 5,000 is a uh, story that probably most of us know well, and we've heard many uh, particular messages on this, but let me ask you that if perhaps as you heard me reading that passage of Scripture and you heard I uh, announced what we're going to be uh, speaking about this morning, you said, well, hey, I've heard that before. Uh, you know, I've heard many messages on that before. Well, I want to remind you of something that in Scripture... Other than the, the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels of the New Testament. So you understand, if God gives us something one time, it's of utmost importance. If He gives it to us four times, it's okay for me to preach this message today, even though you've heard one before, okay? Now, obviously, the emphasis of today is going to be missions, and first of all, as we see, uh, I want, uh, we see the story, I want you to see the proving of the disciples. The Bible says in verse number five that Jesus lifted up his eyes. And as he lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company that was coming unto him. Now, it's no accident that Scripture uses these words, lifted up his eyes, because just a couple of chapters prior to this, in chapter four of John, verse 35, Jesus said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. He told his disciples, lift up your eyes 
and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. As we begin this missions conference, I want to ask you to do what Jesus asked his disciples to do. Would you indeed lift up your eyes and look on the fields? Yes, we know what's going on around us. We know the world in which we live and all the things that are happening in the news. But would you lift up your eyes and look on those fields as Jesus saw those fields? The seven and a half billion people in our world today who need to hear the message of salvation. And Jesus, as he looked upon the multitudes that were coming to him, he looked upon them, the Bible says, with compassion. Compassion, if you want a short definition, is love in action. If you lift your eyes today and you look on the world with just pity, nothing will happen. It will stop just there with that sad feeling in your heart. But compassion goes a step further. Compassion puts your love into action. As you see those people that you view in your mind today that are lost without Jesus Christ, and you have an opportunity that is being given to you even this week to put that love into action, to do that which God lays on your heart to do, to get that gospel message out to a lost and a dying world. As we think about Praying, are you willing to pray more for those that are lost? We think about going, are you willing to be the witness that you need to be? And as we think about giving, are you willing to give so that missionaries can go in your place to places in the world that you may never get on this side of eternity to represent you so that they can hear the gospel message about Jesus Christ? Jesus lifts his eyes. He sees this great company. He has compassion on them. Verse 5 says, he says unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, by the way, if Jesus were asking the question, where are we going to buy bread so that we can eat? That is the disciples and himself. That would have not been an unusual question. But that's not what he's asking Philip. He says, hey, Philip, where can we buy bread so that all of these may eat? Now, I want to remind you of a great theological truth this morning. God never asks a question to gain information. Think about that for a moment. Why? Because you see, God knows everything. So God is not asking Philip, Philip, what are we going to do? I'm out of answers. I don't know how we can feed these people. The Bible says very specifically in verse 6, this he said to prove him, that is to test him or to examine him. Why? The Bible says, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already had the plan. He had a plan to use the disciples to feed those people. Can I remind you this morning as we begin this missions conference, Jesus is asking Bible Baptist Church, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Not just the group that you see here, but the seven and a half billion people around the world. And again, I remind you that Jesus is not asking you that question because he lacks information. Jesus is not in heaven wringing his hands wondering how are the missionaries of Bible Baptist Church going to be supported? How is Bible Baptist Church going to take on more missionaries? How can we support missions? No, Jesus is God. He already knows how all this is going to take place. What he's doing this week is proving you. This is a test. Are you willing to get in and do what he is asking you to do to accomplish what he has commanded us to do to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a test. It's a proving. It's an examination. The question is, will you pass the test? You say, preacher, how do I pass the test? It's pretty simple. 
Just do whatever God lays on your heart to do for missions. Now, Philip answers in verse 7, he says, hey, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. And that would be maybe 200 days worth of wages. That's a pretty good chunk of change. But he says, even for each of them to take a little, that, that wouldn't be enough. Well, next along comes Andrew. And he says in verse number nine, there is a lad here. And by the way, one of the things I like about Andrew is he's bringing people to Christ. He has a reputation of that, really. In chapter 1, he brought his brother Peter to Christ. And later in chapter 12, he, along with uh, Philip, will bring some Greeks to Christ. And can I remind us this morning that as we talk about missions and we talk about those 7.5 billion people in the world, as we give so that others can go in our place, that does not negate our own personal responsibility to bring others to Jesus Christ. Each one of us needs to be a witness for him, bringing others to Christ as Andrew did. But it's interesting as he brought this lad, verse 9, he says, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. And then he asked this question, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? And I, I hear a little lack of faith there in his, in his uh, response. And verse 9, I don't know if you think about things like this or not. He says, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Do you think it really would have mattered if they were large fishes? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, but and by the way, I was in Alaska 10 years. I can tell you about large fishes. You know, you go fishing. We'd go fishing there. You catch a 15 pound salmon. That was that was average size. And then you would go uh, halibut fishing. Halibut can get to three or four hundred pounds. One fish. I remember when I moved back to Chattanooga and I'd hear some folks come in the office in the morning and say, yeah, we were out fishing last night. I caught a three pound bass. I said, man, that's bait. You know, it's amazing. You know, but here, th here's the point. It doesn't matter about the size of the fish. It matters about the size of the faith. And that's one of the lessons that Jesus is going to teach them. The proving of the disciples. Number two, the provision of food for the people. Jesus groups the people in verse 10. He says, make the men sit down. And by the way, the book of Mark tells us that he did so in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. This just organized things. There was much grass in the place. And the Bible says that so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now, because you've heard this message before, you remember that the book of Matthew tells us there were 5,000 men besides women and children. So how many people were there that day? Can we say maybe 10,000 and, and we're still being conservative in our estimate? Probably. But the point is not how many people were there that day. The point is this. And Jesus, I believe, is teaching his disciples this, that no matter how hard those 12 disciples tried, that there was no possible way that they were going to feed all of those people with five loaves and two small fishes. They were unable to do the job in and of their own strength. Jesus was the one who was going to have to do this, and he was going to choose to do it through them. Can I remind you? That as you look upon the seven and a half billion people in our world today, this is not a job that we can do in and of ourselves. It is an impossibility to do the Great Commission in our own strength and in our own power. I'm so glad that as Jesus gave us the command to go, he did so and said, now go forth in my power to accomplish that which I've commanded you to do. And we can experience his strength through our weakness we know that we are laborers together with God and that through Christ we can do all things. Now, as Jesus gives out the bread and the fish, 
Jesus, the Bible says in verse 11, took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And by the way, I also remind you that in the book of Mark says that he broke the loaves and he divided the two fishes. And the Bible says, likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. And later on, the Bible says that they were filled. Now, I need to hurry along, but I do want to just stop for a, a moment. And I want you to really think with me about something. I, when I read scripture, I try to use what I call my sanctified imagination. I try to imagine all the details of a story in scripture. And we don't know the details of this story. But have you ever thought about how this miracle took place? You've heard the story before. You've heard the messages before. But have you ever really sat down and thought about it? Let me give you my sanctified imagination. OK, I picture Jesus. He is here with the basket and he has five loaves and two small fishes. OK, now he has his disciples. He's told them to line up. So this morning here in our church service, we have the 12 disciples right here is disciple number one. Right here is disciple number two. Here's disciple number three, number four, number five, all the way down here to disciple number 12. Now, does everybody see the disciples up here? Okay, some of you are with me. The rest, you'll catch up. Okay, I know you will. I'm confident, all right? So he has them lined up. He has his uh, food in his basket. And by the way, he has given each of those disciples a basket of their own. So they are there with one empty basket per disciple. Now, I, by the way, I know some of you are thinking this morning, you're thinking, now, Brother Snyder, where did Jesus get 12 baskets to give to each of his disciples? And to you, I would say this. This is my sanctified imagination, okay? Take it easy. But besides that, does not the Bible say that when they were done, they took up 12 baskets of that which was remaining? So now think about Jesus as he broke those loaves and the fishes. I don't know, but I'm going to say he broke each of those loaves in half and each of the fish into half. So that gives us 10 pieces of bread and four pieces of fish. And I'm not sure, but I imagine Jesus taking his basket, coming to disciple number one and saying, here is piece of bread number one, then piece of bread number two to disciple number two, and then number three, number four, all the way down to disciple number 10. Now, you know, these guys are counting and they know how many pieces of bread and you know how many disciples there are. I wonder who disciple number 11 was. Have you ever thought about it? I think maybe it was Philip. Remember the one that said 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient? Can you imagine as Jesus reaches into his basket and he pulls out of his basket piece of bread number 11 and gives it to disciple number 11? And you know, disciple 12, he's sitting there standing. He's watching this whole thing. He's wondering what's going to happen with him. And can you imagine now as disciple number 12 is standing there, he's watching. He knows Jesus' basket's empty. But now Jesus reaches into his basket and pulls piece of bread number 12 out of his basket and puts it into disciple number 12's basket. I don't know about you. I would have loved to have been down on this end of the line. OK. And, and by the way, you talk about fresh bread. It doesn't get any fresher than that right there. All right. That's just made. Now, I, I, I got to remind you, listen, this this miracle's not over because now Jesus comes back to disciple number one. He says, OK, here's piece of fish, number one. And then to disciple number two, number three, number four. And have you ever thought about who disciple number five was? I don't know, but I think maybe it was Andrew. Remember the one that talked about the two small fishes? But what are they among so many? Can you imagine, though, being disciple number five, standing there? You've been counting. You know what's happening. And now Jesus reaches into his basket and he pulls out piece of fish number five and puts it in your basket. 
And then again to disciple number six and then number seven, all the way down to disciple number 12. Again, I would want to be on this side of that line just to experience that miracle. And by the way, I don't care what seafood restaurants you go to. You're not going to get better fish than this right here. OK, Amen. what an amazing thing. Now, if I were a disciple, I'm afraid I would probably be standing there staring at my basket, realizing that what I'm holding didn't exist just moments prior to Jesus coming down that line. But now Jesus says to his disciples, OK, fellas, go feed the people. Now, you stop and think about that a moment. Would you just be honest with yourself this morning? What would you do? you got a piece of bread, you got a piece of fish, and you're looking up at, I don't know, 10,000 people? I'm not sure what you would do, but for me, I know sometimes my faith is just a little bit weak. I'm afraid I would find maybe a group of 50, because the 50, that's less than 100. You know, food goes a little further that way. And I'd come to that group, and I'd probably say, to them, listen, I'm just going to give you half of what I have. I don't have a lot, but... Just take it, use it as an appetizer just to get you home, you know. And then I'd probably go find another group of 50, maybe over here. And I'd say to them the same thing. Listen, I'm just going to give you everything that I've got. I don't have much. Just use it as a snack. Just get a little sustenance from it so that you can make it back to your house. What would you do now? Can you imagine being a disciple and just kind of having to think it through and say, well, he's told me to go feed the people. I don't know what else to do except go feed the people. And can you imagine coming up to that next group and saying, well, folks, I have no idea what I'm going to give you, but the master said that I'm supposed to come feed you with what he's given me, and I'm going to reach into my basket, and yeah, sure enough, there's some bread here for you, and I'm just going to give you everything there, and I think if I reach in here again, yeah, sure enough, here's some fish, y'all just enjoy. And you know, at that point, I think I'd have to come back to group number one and apologize to them for my lack of faith and say, hey, folks, now listen, I think if I, yeah, sure enough, here's some more bread, and yep, Here's some more fish. And remember what I told you about the appetizer thing? Forget that. Just eat hearty. There'll be plenty, okay? And I'd come back to group number two, and I'd have to apologize to them, and I'd be able to give more to them. Can you imagine? You think about this. This probably went on for hours, where they kept reaching into that basket and kept pulling out and kept giving them the food, that miracle that Jesus was doing through his disciples over and over again. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have been part of that miracle. Wow. But I want to remind you this morning, as we think about missions and we think about faith promise giving, we have an opportunity, spiritually speaking, to be part of that miracle. You say, how so? Well, you think about that a moment. That lad brought his, if you will, offering to Jesus. And when we talk about a faith promise offering, we're talking about bringing an offering to Jesus. You say, well, how do I give my offering to Jesus? Does not the Bible say that the church is his body? So we give that offering through the local church. We're giving it to Jesus. And remember that offering that he gave was then distributed to the disciples. And in our story, these disciples represent missionaries. And as that offering is given as a missions offering, thus it goes to missionaries who then use that offering to go out to people groups of 50 and 100 and 50,000 and 100,000, yea, even millions upon billions of people around the world telling them about the bread of life, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to miss out on that miracle either. What an amazing opportunity he's given us. But remember, I think about a few things. Number one, to be part of that miracle, we have to be like the lad. That lad was willing to give up his lunch. By the way, I have two boys. They're both adults now. But especially when they were teenagers, they liked to eat. They still like to eat, but especially when they were teenagers. 
You know, I don't think it was easy for him to give up that lunch, but he did. I also remind you of this. He gave it all to Jesus. Jesus was asking him that day for all of his lunch and he gave everything that Jesus asked for. Can I encourage you? Whatever it is God lays on your heart to give, give it all. Now, I understand everybody here is different place in life financially. You see, over here, you see, God may ask for five loaves and ten fish from some folks over here. and Maybe here, seven loaves and one fish. Maybe over here, five of each. And maybe over here, four of one and three of the other. I don't know. But the bottom line is this. Whatever it is that Jesus asks of you, would you just obey and give it all to Him? I'm sure glad that lad didn't bargain with the Lord. Well, Lord, you know, I've only got five loaves and two, two fishes. How about if I just give you one of each and maybe that'll be okay? No, the lad said, it's all yours, Lord. We need to say that, Lord, I surrender all. It is yours. Give it to him and let him do what he wants to with it. Because can you see? He can do a lot more with what we give him than if we keep it ourselves and try and do something ourselves with it. It's an amazing miracle to be part of. By the way, can I also remind you of something else? You see, these disciples up here, they've gotten done handing out all the food now and they've lined back up here, okay? Disciple number one, all the way down to disciple number 12. Does everybody see him back up here? Okay, I've gained a few of you. We're making progress. This is good. These disciples represent missionaries. Can I remind you, especially as you think about this small number in proportion to the great number that they were feeding, the laborers are few. Oh, the laborers are few. Everywhere I travel in this world and I meet with missionaries, one of the things that I hear over and over again is, Preacher, would you tell them we need help? Preacher, would you tell them we need help? We need help. We need more laborers. We need, we, know, we need more laborers. That's why Jesus said for you and I to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers. The laborers are few, but the harvest in many parts of the world is rotting in the field. It's white already unto harvest. Would you consider being a missionary? Oh, dear friends. I hear all the excuses. Well, preacher, if I surrender, <laughs> this is the only place I've ever known. If I surrender, I have to go to Bible college and I have to learn a different language. I have to learn a different culture. And how can I go talk to people about the Lord and start a church and all that's involved in that? Can I remind you this morning that these disciples in and of themselves could not feed those people with five loaves and two small fishes. It was not they who did the work. It was Jesus Christ who did the work through them. So he's not asking you to do the work. He's just asking you and I to surrender to do the work. And then he will do the work through us. Oh, dear friend, would you be willing? Would you be willing to surrender all to Jesus Christ? Well, I wish I could spend more time here. I, I can't, but I got to at least mention one other thing. You know, they took up those 12 baskets. I have this question in my sanctified imagination. What did they do with them? Because I'm not a wasteful person, you know, especially with good food. You know, I don't know because Scripture doesn't say, but in my sanctified imagination, I believe that they gave those 12 baskets to that lad. Can you imagine as he went home and said, Mom, I'm home. And she comes to meet him and she looks at these 12 baskets and says, Mom, this is what's left over from the lunch that you gave me today. Can you hear her, especially moms in this building, saying to her, Boy, what have you been up to today? <laughs> 
But can you imagine as he got to tell the story of how he gave those five loaves and those two fishes to Jesus and all that took place as a result of him surrendering those things to Jesus. You say, why do you believe they gave them to him? Well, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, 12 baskets. No, it doesn't say that. But you get the point. What am I saying? I'm saying you can't outgive God no matter how hard you try. Just surrender to him. Let him have it because he can do much more with it than you and I could ever do in 10 lifetimes. The proving of the disciples. The provision of food for the people. And finally, one last thought. The proclamation about the bread of life. You're there in John 6. Would you look over with me in verse 47? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Dear friends, Jesus takes this context as he's just given out this bread through the disciples. And now he says, I am the bread of life. And I want to echo the words of Jesus in verse 47. He says, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I want to remind you this morning that if we do not believe on Jesus Christ, we do not have eternal life. The Bible says, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So scripture saying, listen, if you want to die and spend an eternity in hell, all you need to do is nothing. Just live your life. Good, bad, moral, immoral, anywhere in between. Just live your life. The Bible says if we want to spend an eternity in heaven, we must believe on Jesus. We must partake of him who is the bread of life. And he says once again, he is that bread of life. Verse 48, verse 49, he explains and reminds us that earthly bread, it, it only sustains us for a short period of time. He says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. And by the way, that was definitely some bread from heaven, but that was not the bread from heaven because he says, and are dead. Can I remind you this morning that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Maybe you're here this morning and you know what you need to do to be saved, but you're just putting it off. You know, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. I talk to people sometimes, young people who say, listen, I'm, I'm healthy. I got a long life ahead of me. And to them, if I have the opportunity, I say this, prove it. Not one of us can prove that we have a long life ahead of us. By the way, one blood clot can change or end your life in a matter of seconds. Are you ready to meet God? Have you partaken of him who is the bread of life? He says in verse 50, the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Jesus says, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. He says, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. You see, manna sustain life, but Jesus Christ gives eternal life. The bread that I will give, he says, is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Just stay with me one more thought and I'll be through. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Why, why is the death of Jesus? That's what he's talking about there. Why is the death of Jesus so important? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Thus, for you and I, 
The wages of the payment for our sin is death. That being the case, we have two options this morning. Option number one is this. We live our lives however we want to, good, bad, or in between. But if we never have a time when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Bible says we will spend an eternity in a place called hell. And I want to remind you this morning, by the way, hell is not just some cuss word that we hear all the time. It's a real, literal, and eternal place. If we die without Jesus Christ, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in Revelation 21.8 that that hell that I'm talking about is the place called the second death. That's the payment for sin. That's option one. I got to tell you, I don't like option one. <laughs> I am so glad I get to tell you about option number two. Option number two is this, Jesus' death. You see, Jesus died on the cross. Why? Because he says, now that I've died, you can have my death in place of your death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, dear friends, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey this morning, but if there has never been a time in your life when you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, oh, I beg of you, would you receive Him today? Would you believe on Jesus? Would you receive that gift of salvation?